0: Well, see, a lot of you don't understand this. As God downloaded the word to us this week and said, you're going to share this on Friday night. And there's going to be those in the room that are going to be set radically free. But I promise you somewhere along the way, when I begin to share this, you're going to get mad at me. Because I've come to speak to a terrorist called Lethargy. I've come to speak to the fact that we've gotten so fat with the anointing, we're about to fall back in our chair, Eli, and break our necks. And God told me to come and tell you this thing is supposed to explode. He's given you a general to lead this movement. There is very few people I have met, and I've met tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands across the world from Australia to Singapore to Brazil to to South America, Central America to Alaska, to every state in America. I've been to all of them. I've met very few people that carry the mantle of James on. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He and I get on the phone and we start preaching to each other.
1: Uh
0: We really do. Now he's got me just saying, come on. <laughs> He's got a red neck from out there, I'm going, come on. But I can't do it like him. Come on. <laughs> but what you have to realize as I begin to share this word and all oh, I feel this glory. See everybody loves the anointing, but when the glory comes in, it's not about personality. It's Papa's overcoat. It's his freedom. It's his it's his covering. There's a big difference And I'm writing a new book on this Called I Resign Because I'm writing a book About the fact that It's something the Lord's Taken me on a personal journey with And I spent years Preaching under the anointing And the anointing is God's Kiss on our life It's touch It's the Moshiach. I love the anointing I'm going to preach on the anointing tonight, But I really want his glory Because when the glory comes in It's not about you anymore Mr. Personality you're not worried about getting followers on social media because you're too busy getting up to the cross. When the glory comes in, it's the difference in the, in the pre-resurrected Jesus and the resurrected Jesus. See, the church still worships the pre-resurrected Jesus. We love him for all the miracles, but we don't want him to hold us accountable. Come on. See, because when he walks in, see, what are, what are you talking about? Remember, Mary washed his feet, but after he resurrected, he said, don't touch me. Remember, John laid on his chest, but after he resurrected in Revelation, he said, I saw him and fell as a dead man. It's the difference when Jesus gave up glory to take on the anointing so that he might win us and then gave up his life on a cross so that he might receive the glory. Everything shifted. I want to be in a church where the glory comes.
1: Can I preach this for a second?
0: See, because what you have to understand, there comes a moment where you've got to resign. When God began to spin, oh, by the way, I'm sharing a brand new message called, Who is at your door? Because I hear a knocking tonight. I hear in the spirit knocking. And prophets this whole week, including leading up to writing to this service tonight, people are texting us saying, where are you at? God's about to do something. And we decided we would tag team this message. But I want you to grab your Bibles and go ahead and open with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. When God began to download this message to Karen and I called Rebuilding the Altar, a bold call for a fresh encounter with God, there was a war, in fact, on October 3rd of last year, when we got the email after from our publisher, they have to approve our final books, they've done it with all of them, and they said, okay, the Lord entered into a meeting we had in Orlando at the publishing house, and God says, you're supposed to write that book. That very day, all hell broke loose. The day we started writing, my daughter began to lose her hearing. I lost my voice for six weeks. Karen had to have surgery on her neck. Everything came against us. But see, I have learned some things. God said you're going to build altars all over America, yes. all over the world. We've already planted it in the Ukraine. We've already planted it in Brazil and in Singapore. We, see,
1: God spoke to me. Take
0: altars and put them in university parking lots.
1: Come on.
0: Go put them in. We're going to put one in the White House. Yeah. You think that's crazy? I serve on the president's prayer team. And now listen, don't come at me with your politics because it ain't about a donkey or an elephant. It's about a lamb. So get over yourself. But what you have to understand is God's about to shake this nation. I wrote an unqualified about a prophetic dream that we both have. We both have prophetic dreams. We have a sleep disorder called Revelation. And we do. And it's so crazy. She usually has the dream first, and then I get it. I'm like, thanks. And... But the Lord showed it's a giant wave coming to America. And at first I thought it was destruction, but Genesis nine eleven, which nine eleven is the Hebrew number for remnant. The Lord spoke there. He would not destroy the earth with a flood again. And after the dream God showed me, after I had a dream of all of America being flooded. And we're running towards the White House, she and I in the dream. And people are trying to get past the flood. And the Lord spoke to me the next day. I was in Nashville and he said to me, what you dreamed last night was me pouring out my spirit one last time. So there's a move of God coming, but first we must see the remnant rise. What is the remnant? It's what's left over after everyone's fallen away. And what you have to realize as I move into this word, as I begin to share this, God began to speak to me about 2018. About three weeks ago. So I got, got to share that for a second because I'm really excited about 2018. Because as I begin to study the number 18, the number 18 in the Hebrew is chai, Which means life and what you have to realize is i believe with all of my heart that no matter what you walk through in 17 this next year is the year of resurrection the year of restoration the year of miracles the things you've been waiting on are you getting this so far god began to share some things with me and 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 i've got to get into the word in just a second but i must speak to where you're at because i love what tl osborne said he said physical eyesight can blind spiritual vision and some of you've been in a war because the enemy knows what's coming and what you have to begin to realize is and I love what it what John Kilpatrick as uh, is a great pastor led the brownsville revival told us on the phone a couple of days ago we were on a speaker phone he was just speaking he said christians are always looking for the obvious instead of a wait, uh, instead of waiting on the supernatural yes. we see the obvious we're like oh we're never going to make it through that and but it's it's when you wait on the supernatural that you realize God was in all that. Somebody give God a praise because i preach for So I've come to declare something over you a new season. In fact, my scripture for this next year is Isaiah 43, 18 that he will give streams in the desert, make a way in the wasteland. Somebody give my God a praise. Amen? He told me to come and tell you to forget the former things. Because something's but now I gotta get into this word because we're preaching a message called who's at the door. And I'm going to probably make you a little mad for the next few minutes. Because I must warn you. That there comes a moment where you begin to understand everything that has been coming against you. Because God is allowing it to happen. To get you uncomfortable. In fact, I'd rather you be angry at me than for you to keep being too tired to rebuke a terrorist called lethargy that's come to kidnap the next generation so God told me to tell you to wake up and get angry <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: you about to get mad
1: <laughs>
0: looking at god's word in first or second kings chapter 4 the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to elisha now I love elisha because he was second generation anointed I love Elisha because he was a farmer that had it all together and got interrupted one day by a mantle. I love Elisha because you're going to change when you see your mentor raptured. I love Elisha because a few verses later, there were some fellows that were talking trash to him about being bald and he called out a bear and killed him. Amen. I believe in that. That's That's called the bear club, not the man's hair club. I love Elisha because he asked for a double portion of the anointing. And Elijah looked at him and said, it will be yours if you keep your eyes on me when I'm taking from you. In fact, Elijah had done eight miracles. Elisha did 15 and then died. But he did 16 after he died because a man fell on his bones and came back to life. Because God always finishes what he starts. That's right. I love Elisha. Because it was that second generation. You've got to understand, my dad was a drug dealer off the streets of Detroit. Got radically right saved when I was five years old. My father worked for, Hoff, uh, for for Jimmy Hoffa. You have to realize that when my dad got saved, he started a trend. A bunch of Jews that had never been saved in our family. How many of you know it's time for families to be restored generation after generation? How many of you know you can have a crack baby? Uh, uh, if, a, if, a mo- if a crack mom can have a crack baby, then a Holy Ghost mom can have a Holy Ghost baby. But the Bible says a woman comes to interrupt his day. All oh, get ready for 2018 for God interruptions. And the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? And then she said something so powerful. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Somebody shout out the anointing breaks the air. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, the anointing breaks the air. Now the Bible says that this woman's husband was a friend of the prophets. Now what you may not understand is I went deeper and we began to study and, and get deeper into it. And we wrote about it in chapter 8 of Rebuilding the Altar. We wrote about who this man was, This who was this woman's husband. Most people don't even have any idea. Her husband most likely was a man by the name of Obadiah. Now, if you don't know who Obadiah is, all you've got to do is go back to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 2. Because it says, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For... So it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. Who was Obadiah? He was a protector of the anointing. Who was Obadiah? He used all of his money to feed the prophets whose lives were under threat. When that demonic woman by the name of Jezebel was killing them off. Who was Obadiah? He worked in a horrible place for a horrible man. And God put him there in his secret service to protect the anointing. Oh, you're not getting this yet. Because some of you hate where you, you work at and you don't realize God's put you there to do something. In fact, while Elijah was rebuilding the altar, he was protecting the prophets. Can I be honest? I'm angry. I'm seething on the inside. No, it's not an unrighteous anger. It's not, a, it's not an Americanized anger. No, it's, it's like Paul said in Ephesians 4. Verse 26, to be angry and sin not. It's what Augustine of Hippo said. Hope has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage. Anger the way things are, and courage to make sure they're not remain so. God will put an anger inside of you to shift. And we've had this building up in us through our last five books, through traveling two and a half million miles, preaching 240 youth camps, seeing tens of thousands saved on five different continents. I've had this anger rising up in me, and I must keep it at bay because if I'm not careful, I won't have an audience to hear it. But I love what Reese Howe's intercessor said. He said, until there's a conviction of need, there can never be a desire for change. When's the last time he got angry? Oh, I know what joy feels like. You know what joy was? Christmas morning, watching on Facebook, this church feeding and giving people Christmas. But I also know what was. See, I know what it's like for my son. He pastors the largest youth ministry in America today. My son. But we know what it's like. We write about it in the book. When God began to wake us up, because, see, sometimes we can get seduced by normal. We're traveling the world, preaching to the world, and people don't even realize where this, this, the whole message of the altar started. It's not about a piece of wood. It's about a lifestyle. It's about walking into the gym. How many of you know you're called to be a mobile upper room? When you walk into places, demons ought to be diving out windows. Something inside of you should change. I sit down on planes, and people will sit down beside me. And one lady recently walked by me on the plane and said, and she's a flight attendant. She said, when we get up in the air, will you come up and prophesy over me? I said, okay. I was flying to Philly and all of a sudden the lady looks over at me next to me and she said, I'm agnostic. (laughs) And I said, that's because your 16-year-old daughter whose pictures on the front of your your iPad was killed in a car accident and you're angry at God. She started weeping and said, how do you know that? I said, you just told me. We had an altar call playing. (laughs) We're walking through the airport recently in, in Houston. I was delayed. A good friend of mine who's a missionary uh, TV producer was there with me, and we're going down to Brownsville, Texas to preach. And all of a sudden, as we're walking through the airport, we were delayed. It's midnight. I'm stuck in Houston trying to get to Brownsville, Texas, where we would preach to about three to 400 uh, Latino uh, people the next day that did not understand a word I said, but they all got saved. It was awesome. And Church didn't give me an interpreter. I'm like, all right, here we go. I literally sang in that sermon. I just called to say I love you by Stephen Wonder. Just started singing it. The Spirit of God. (laughs) That's weird, isn't it? I love that. But all of a sudden, walking through, getting ready, finally they called and said your flight's ready to leave. It's midnight. We've been delayed for three hours, and I'm walking towards the gate to go get on with my friend. And about that time, the lady from behind the counter said, "Preacher, pray for me." And I turned, and I was just going to do the religious thing. God, she, we're going to pray for you. I didn't even know she knew I was a preacher. And about that exact time, the Spirit of the Lord said, Give her a word now. And as I went walking towards her, the Holy Ghost hit. And I said, You're backslidden. Your dad was a preacher. Your husband has left you, and your two kids are on their way to hell. But give me your hand. As I took her hand, the Holy Ghost hit. She began to dance all. She did a mama dance right there. See, there comes a moment when you begin to understand the assignment. But I mean, I'm angry because the anointed are weary. I'm angry because they're quitting the call. I'm angry because some are stepping back from the call of God that He placed on them to preach a holy fire of God and they're preaching a false grace and they refuse to preach truth because it'll cost them everything, and they might have to empty out pews and pulpits and, and offering buckets, but who cares? Because you have to realize God is looking for somebody to rise up, rise up with a holy righteousness and a fire. But I'll never forget when when God began to interrupt our life. We're traveling the world, preaching all over the world, we're doing all this stuff, and early one morning my son is getting ready for school. He was a senior in high school. We did not know yet. Karen will tell you the rest of the story in a moment. We did not know there was an attack going on. And all of a sudden, Nate goes, Dad, somebody's on the back porch. Abby turned to us. And she goes, Daddy, somebody's outside. And Karen said, Pat, somebody's outside. I turned around. And on my back porch at the time, we lived in Birmingham. Now we live in Dallas. I turned around and I looked. And we have a privacy fence in our backyard. And I see a hooded man standing in my backyard. Now, I'm a redneck, so I'm ready to fight. (laughs) rednecks are just ready to go, amen, I'm like, let's go, <laughs> and all of a sudden, as I turned and ran out on the back porch, he was gone, I said, Lord, what was that, he said, the enemy's visiting your house, prepare yourself. We began to go to war, and Karen will tell you more in a moment about how we had to fight for our son. But there comes a moment where you got to look at hell and say, You can't have my family. There comes a moment where you got to rise up with a holy fire and say, Wait a minute, I'm waking up out of my slumber. I'm awake because something is stirring. Are you getting this? Come on and get my God. are maintaining while the enemy's advance. advancing no. yeah. Yeah. where's the greater works that Jesus yeah. spoke of in John 14 verse 12 yeah. when are we going to begin to see the signs and wonders I love the fact that recently we were on a television program for uh, Jim Baker and, and we're doing a service and Daniel who's right there was right was back there with me and, and at the, and the service and as we walked by a lady that was holding her ears we didn't know she was deaf in her 70s and we just walked by and said be healed and all of a sudden she began to scream she could hear see i'm angry that we don't believe in that anymore that we've gotten so good at sanctifying demons that if jesus ever walked in i'm angry that preachers have been turned into actors and the holy spirit is locked out in the streets and the audience is determining the message i'm angry dare we continue like this God is saying there's an awakening coming to New England, just as the great awakenings have come from the first and the second great awakening have come from this area. And you've got to realize God is calling us. I'm angry that the gospel of relevance and ego inflated grace laced messages have never produced anything but a confused bride who demands to be entertained while Jesus is screaming. Enter and find rest. I love what the message Bible says in first Corinthians chapter three. I just saw this this week, and, and, and I had not seen it in a long time. It says, don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be God's fool. That's the path to true wisdom. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. It's written in scripture. He exposed the chicanery of the sheep. The master sees through the smoke and the screens of the know-it-alls. And I don't always like the message Bible, but I like that. One. <laughs> can I just say something? We're living in a day where nice messages and Sweet services simply allow the demons to relax and make fodder of God's people. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Yes. yes. We must become the voices of the truth in the land of the Saltless Church and the wandering saint. I'm I'm angry that we don't understand demonstration and power. We're getting into the sermon. I'm not there yet. When Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of power in the spirit. Do you understand? I'm angry because I believe God's about to, to move. One of my favorite quotes and one of Karen's favorite quotes is Raven Ravenhill. He said the reason, the only reason we don't have revival is because we're, we're willing to live without it. What if tonight it broke out in this room? What if tonight the spirit of God began to flood this room? What if tonight we understood the spiritual authority that God has given us according to Ephesians? You have to realize, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength. Oh listen he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. God says do you know who you are? Do you know who I've anointed you to be? Do you know what I've called you to do? You can walk into your house and run every demon of despair out of your family. Every depressing." think? Why do you think right before Christmas, I gathered my whole family in the living room and that morning I had gone into hiding and wrote every one of them a prophetic word out about what God was going to do this year. It is time to be in each one. I said, Nate, this is what God says. Adrian, my daughter in love, God says this. I even gave her a prophetic word over my five-month-old grandson because there comes a moment where you begin to realize that life is but a bus stop, and God is calling us to get to heaven with nothing left to do. And I want the dash on my tombstone to count. There comes a moment where you begin to say, Wait a minute, I've got to have something right. I wish you'd get excited. And God told me to come and tell you to rise up and take your place, and something happened. When this widow woman who heard a knock at the door, something got on this. the
2: enemy was at the door because church i want to tell you something some of you have been walking through seasons where you hear the enemy knocking at your door Some of you have been walking through a year of 2017 that wasn't hard or that wasn't easy. 2017 hasn't been friendly to you this year. It hasn't been pleasant to you. And the creditor is at your door knocking. And that's what this woman heard. This woman who was, her husband had died. And here it was. The creditor was knocking at her front door. Because see, the enemy wants in your front door. The enemy wants in your home not just to take you out, not just to take your life out, but the enemy wants in your home to take your children, to steal your seed. He wants to take your marriage. See, some of you have been struggling this year, and you've been walking through a season of thinking, God, when is it going to be my turn? When is it going to be my my season of rejoicing again? When is it going to be my season to look up and to see your glory coming? But see, the enemy wants in your home. He's at the front door and he's knocking and he wants, he has his hand out just waiting, just waiting to make collection on your life. He wants to bankrupt your life. He wants to bankrupt you of joy and freedom and purpose in your life. He wants to steal your time with your family. He wants to steal the the freedom that comes in the presence of God. He wants to steal the, the freedom that you have in your mind to think clearly. See, I want you to know, Pat and I know what it's like to walk through a year. Where the enemy has attacked on every front When we were writing this book We were attacked on every level Because he wants to steal What God has in store for you He wants to steal your family's purpose He wants your potential He wants your harvest He wants your legacy He wants to steal everything That the enemy has promised you he wants to steal everything, every dream, that, what every promise that God has promised you. He wants to steal the vision and the purpose that God has placed inside of your life because he is a thief. See, I want you to know that as we're leaving 2017 and we're going into 2018, the enemy is trying to reconcile his banking account. He's trying to reconcile his accounts, the things that he has come against you. He's tried to make deals with you through 2017, and he's come to reconcile on those accounts, and he's trying everything. He's knocking, the constant knocking at the door, and he's making his rounds to make collection on those who may not be standing guard at the front door who may not be standing guard to watch over their families because we've become so busy and so enticed by the things that have weighed us down throughout this year. But see, he wants to get in your home and steal from you. And we have to be on guard. We have to wake up to the enemy that's standing at our front door. Wake up and recognize. See, I love it because so many times we're just in our home resting and we're oblivious to the attacks that go that are going on Pat mentioned it when he mentioned about when our son was attacked But see the Bible says that the creditor is knocking on the widow's door wanting payment for the past debts because Obadiah her husband had died broke. He had died broke because he had given everything to the vision. He had given everything to the call. He had given everything to the cause. And he had died and left his family with nothing. But let me tell you something. When you give everything to God, when you give everything to what God has in store for you, when you have invested everything that is in you into what God has for you, God will not be in debt to no man. He will come through and he will give it back to you with bonus and with blessing because he will be in debt to no man. See, the Bible says that the creditors were there knocking, and that word creditor is Nesha in the Hebrew, and it means extortioner. And see, what extortioner is the one who threatens the one who exposes embarrassing information about you or is a or soon. The enemy is knocking as we're ending this year and he's knocking on the door saying, you remember what back in February? You remember back in June when this happened or when that happened? Do you remember when all of this junk and all of Come the on garbage now. is coming against you? Do you remember how that your family was mm. falling apart? But here's what I have to tell you. When the enemy comes knocking on the front door, you better know in whom you believe. You better know who who your father is and run to the father when the bully comes knocking. Because let me tell you something, the enemy wants to take you out and he wants to take your family out. So listen up for all of those parents Grandparents, guardians of the soul, it's time to wake up today because John ten says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. So as we're ending this year and the enemy stand there just knocking on the door, ready to get payment for all the junk that has taken place, ready to reconcile his books. You can look at him and you can say, My debt has been paid. I am a child of the King, and all your threats, all your uh, accusations, don't don't mean a thing because I am bought by the blood of by the blood of Jesus. See, we have been lulled to sleep by a melody of self intoxication and the rhythm of a fading heartbeat for the lost, but we are sleeping while the enemy is robbing and looting and pillaging our homes. See, we have laid back and watched and see, in our exhaustion to survive, we have no power to revive any longer. See, it's in that moment that we have to wake up and recognize the enemy at that front door. We've become so much like Samson because Samson was a warrior and a judge. And the Bible says in Judges 16 that when Delilah called, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he said to himself, I'll go out as before and I'll just shake myself free. But here's what it says. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. See, that's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, because all the while we become spiritually numb and blind by our compromise and our lethargy that we don't even notice or realize that the spirit of the Lord has departed from our homes and it's left it unguarded, left it unkept. And so throughout this year, maybe you've had those moments. Maybe you've had those moments where you've left your home unguarded. Maybe you've had those moments where you've left your home unkept and the enemy has been able to seep in through the little crevices and the little areas yeah, 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 yeah. in the home that was left unseen. Maybe you didn't see that cracked door that was open. Maybe the little things that were allowed into your mind or allowed into your children's lives all the while we were sleeping. But see, the mundane can be the seductress of the supernatural. Because we have been in a battle, Kat and I have been in a battle ever since we wrote this book. Right. See, ever since we wrote this book, he mentioned he lost his voice. Our daughter began to lose her hearing. I had to have neck surgery where there's a disc in my neck that refuses to fuse. And see, I, we've had problems. One thing right after the other when we begin to talk about rebuilding the altar in your home. See, don't you think the enemy is going to come against you when you have been you have been pursuing him and doing that? So don't get me wrong. This is not a commercial for the enemy. This is not a complaint. This is a testifying moment because see, when you don't realize, it's time to let the enemy know that you come knocking on the wrong door you come knocking at the wrong family you you're messing with the wrong family because we still have something in our pantry we still have something in that we can take you out with and Pat's going to share a little bit about that but see I want you to know that we have been attacked since we began writing this book, that we have something in our home, that the enemy can't touch us, that the enemy can't come against us. And all, we moved our whole family, we moved our ministry, we moved our everything from Birmingham to Dallas this year, right after I had neck surgery while I was recovering. We moved all the way from Birmingham to, to Texas. And when we got there, it seemed like the enemy just unleashed everything he had in his arsenal against us. Everything he could do to come against us. We were being attacked in our health. We were being attacked in our finances. We were being attacked in in just clarity of mind. We were being attacked with exhaustion. We were being attacked with not being able to have a clear thought or just not having enough time in the day. Everything, our finances, everything was being attacked. And in that moment... We were thinking to ourselves, God, what is going on? What is going on here? Is there something that we're not seeing? Something that it's at play here that we're missing out on? Yeah. And I'll never forget because one day we just threw our hands up in the air and said, "God, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what to do. We don't know what what the enemy's attacking us. We we just we're not seeing what you want us to see." And Pat went up to his office that day in, in this rental house that we were living in. And what we didn't know was all the junk that had went on in this rental house with the previous owners and, and everything that we were renting from. And this man was going through bankruptcy and he was going through all of these things. And Pat went up to his office in his prayer room that day and he began to write a message called The Spirit of Delay. And Breaking the Spirit of Delay. And in this time that he was in there, he had breakthrough in the, in, in the spirit and just breakthrough. And God just began to open up his heart and, and to receive and to just be able to see that we were supposed to be speaking life and breaking the spirit of delay over our lives. So he got, I got home that day. And Pat comes and he shares this with me. And he shares how God had given him a breakthrough. And I'm like, I really want some of that. You know, I mean, with all that's been going on. And so I began to pray and I began to intercede for the rest of the day. Well, that night as we were going to bed. See, when your spiritual eyes are opened. When you begin to intercede and you begin to go beyond what you've been walking through. And you begin to push past what the enemy has put putting in front of you as a blockade. When you begin to say, I don't care anymore about the attack, I care about the victory. See, when you get to that point where you say, I no longer care about what's coming against me, I care about what I'm being held back from and the victory that God's got for me on the other side. There's something that happens in your life. And I begin to pray, and Pat and I were interceding all day long. And that night we went to go to bed. And Pat goes and he locks all of the doors. Before going to bed, you know, as we always do, and me being the psychotic wife that I am, I go behind and make sure all the doors are locked. Every time. So he went through and he locked the doors and we put Abby to bed and we prayed over and he goes into the bedroom and I go to the front door to make sure he locked it. And I did. He did. (laughs) And I go to that door and, you know, I stood at the door and I was just praying. But see, there had become a breakthrough in our home that day. My husband had a breakthrough which opened up the heavens in our home, which allowed my spiritual eyes to open to see what God had for us. And see, I walked to the front door and as I went to check the door to make sure it was locked, we had a glass front door, which are just the worst. And so I, we had the glass front door, and as I went to touch the door handle, right outside the door, I saw a shadow. Now you may not believe in the supernatural, but I've seen it. And I stood there for a moment, I see a shadow outside the front door. And it was the shadow, just a dark shadow, just a dark figure, I saw no face, just a shadow. And it was a tall, slender, Man with a business hat on and he was standing right in front of the glass door and he had his hand down by his side holding a briefcase but with the other hand he had his hand out to make collection and I stood there for a moment and God opened my eyes to the enemy that we had been fighting that we had been fighting ever since we moved to this city We've been fighting a spirit of bankruptcy that have been been making a visit to our home every single day. Now, I'm not just talking about money because that would be the easy route, but I'm talking a bankruptcy of the spirit, a bankruptcy of your joy, a bankruptcy of your time management, a bankruptcy of your freedom and your life. It was bankrupting us every day, making a a knock on the door saying it's time to pay up. It's time to pay up. It's time for your family to make a payment. The creditor has come to knock. And I remember walking back to the bedroom and I, I turned to Pat and I said, I know what the attack has been. And I shared with him what I just saw at the front door. And we came into agreement. We began to break the spirit of bankruptcy and the spirit of delay that had been over our family since we moved. But then, a couple of weeks later, we had a gathering in our house for some young adults that were there in the Fort Worth area to start a church. And we were just encouraging them and giving them wisdom and giving them direction and everything and they came to pat and they said we want to show you something because we shared with them a couple of weeks back when they came to help us move some things we had shared with them what had happened at that front door that day just to encourage them and let them know they have the authority and the power over the enemy and they came to us and they in that moment at our house they came to us and say can we show you it was thanksgiving day and we had them all over to the house And they brought up, and bring that up, because they brought up a picture, a statue that is over the city of where we live. Now, I had never seen this statue before. I had never been in this part of the town before. I had never been even downtown in this city because we had been so just mentally exhausted. And they said, this is a statue that has been erected in the city that you now now live in, that you reside in. And it's called The Empty Businessman. And that the, the artist that created it said that it was up to the viewer's discretion of what it meant to them. See, it was the enemy. Every region has an enemy and it was coming to make collection on us. But because, see what the enemy didn't know though is he was visiting a new resident in Come the on. city. He was visiting a new yeah, resident yeah. that had moved into his territory, that had moved in and said, I'm taking back ground for God. I'm not making up for what God has given me. I'm not here to give you payment. I'm not paying the, the toll as I cross the bridge today. See, he didn't realize that we still had some oil in the pantry. That we still had something in our home that would pay Come on. the collector. That wow. would pay and give us freedom to walk out the front door. See, that's what I'm here to tell you. See, that picture was there. That was the spirit over the region. But Jesus said that if we leave our house unguarded, the enemy will come back seven times stronger. Matthew 12:44 says, I'll return to the house I left. When I arrive, if I'm the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order, then it goes, then goes and takes it with it. Seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live the final condition of that person is worse than the first and that's how it will be with a wicked generation see the creditors were there to collect from this woman the collectors were there the extortioner was there to make collection they were there to collect on her life. They were there to take her seat because the spirit of this present age is trying to collect. But it's time for us as believers, it's time for us who have Christ in us to rise up and say, not today, not in my house. You're not making collection on this scene. You're not making collection on my family because these boys represented her future. These boys represented all she had left. They were her social security check. They were her future. They were the ones that were going to take care of her. And we are one generation away from the extension of Pentecost. Extinction of Pentecost. See, we're allowing the next generation to have their identity stolen by the spirit of the Antichrist, whose number one goal is to simply talk them out of their spiritual birthright. But see, the enemy has bribed the gatekeepers. And he's bribed them with four different ways. The number one, by convincing them that Christian values are determined by cultural mood. The second one is that holiness is a filthy word replaced by relevance. And that children are the parents of the home, while parents relive their lost years of rebellion without a cause. And it all comes down to the fact that God is locked outside the front door. See, when 34% grow up without a dad, 2 out of 5 young people are molested, 55% face divorce. Suicide rate has doubled in the last 10 years between the ages of 5 and 10 years old. When gender is now just simply a decision that we can make, and purity is now a misnomer. See, it's time that we get on our faces. It's time that we realize that we are in a compassion crisis because we love people's flesh more than we love their soul. And we will dance with truth in order to appease a culture that has already decided to be Satan's pawn to steal the next generation. See, where is the church during all of this? Where is the church during the compassion crisis? Because here was a woman with the creditors knocking on her door, but this mama decided that she was going to run to the church. This mama decided that she was going to run to the prophet because her family needed a word from God. See, we are witnessing the extinction of Pentecost as the flame of the church is doused with an extinguisher called the fear of man. But this mama was awakened to the threat because prayer will awaken you. Come on now, come on now. See, prayer will. Awaken you to the spirit realm. Just like the dream that we had about our son. We both had a dream that our son was about to die. We had a dream that he was killed in a car accident on the same night. And right after that, that's when the enemy was showing up in our backyard and Pat ran out to face him. But it was a spiritual warfare, it was a spiritual attack. And the enemy said, The enemy has been visiting your home. If you don't return to the altar, then he's going to come in and he's going to take payment. He's gonna take and he's gonna on, steal your seed. But see, that's the moment when we say we've got something in our home, something that can't be touched, something that can't be bought, something that can't have to be, won't be taken away from us. See, this mama was ready to fight. And see, here's what I love what General William Booth said. It's one of my absolute favorite quotes. It says, While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. Come on. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. I'm ready to have some people who will rise up and say, I'm ready to fight for my home. I'm ready to make
0: says in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 2 now we've never done this like this before but the Lord said you're going to preach together one other time we shared a message but God said you're going to share together because you know what it's like to go to the mat. I know what it's like I tweeted that out a few moments ago I said moms and dads oh that, that our children will not be shocked when they find us on our knees but they'll be shocked if they don't that we understand Psalms 121 verse 1 through 2. That I will look to the hills from which my help come from. Do you understand there's a moment where you've got to begin to rise up. I'm calling for a holy war to break out in this room tonight. You want a miracle? We're going to lay hands in a moment. We brought the oil. It was prophesied to lay hands on everybody in this room. We're going to lay hands on everybody in a moment. But first got to get to the oil. Because I love <laughs> verse 2. Because so she goes to the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 4. And he says, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Oh, church, what do you got in your home? See, there's a moment where you begin to realize that God says, I've been looking for you. I've been waiting on a crisis to happen so I can show you I am God. See, the knock at the door is a jarring knock. It's a knock that says, you better wake up. It was that night that after about three months traveling every single week, going overseas, seeing miracles, but coming back to this rental house we were in where every day there was a knock on the door because the man that we were renting the house from was in bankruptcy,
1: and there was creditors coming to the door. And it was that night that Karen walked in the bedroom and said, Pat,
0: I know what we're fighting, and I'm laying in bed. I said, what? She said, the spirit of bankruptcy is sitting up in the bed. And I said, no, you don't, devil. Not my house. I put too much in the account. And what you've got to understand is, the Bible says, she looks at him and she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Oh, you're not getting this yet. Because I looked up the word oil. And the word oil there in the Hebrew is shemit which means to make fat or fertile, the oil used to empower for the work of God. Oh, you're not getting this yet. She said, all I've got in the house, I don't have much left. All I've got, because my husband died taking care of the prophets. He spent all his money hiding the prophets from a Jezebel spirit that Revelation, John chapter, or Revelation 5, John Revelator said, is still in the church today. She says, all we've got left is just my husband's anointing. Oh, you're not getting this yet. All I got left, he didn't leave us much. He left us broke." he used all his money buying bread and water for the prophets hiding two caves fifty each he, he said my husband Obadiah didn't leave me with much but we do have his horn of oil which he had used to anoint the prophets oh this is not a reach oh you're not getting because Isaiah 10 27 says the anointing breaks. That's right. You know what that tells me, church. Can you see this widow woman? Her eyes are bloodshot, her face is swollen, there's tears running down. They're about to take her babies from her. She runs to the prophet Elisha. The creditor's at the front door. What do you want me to do? You got anything in your house? already repus- repossessed the furniture. I, I, we do have one thing in the corner.
1: We got a little bit of anointing. Mm.
0: Oh, you're kidding it's... All I have is my husband's prayer life. All I got is a sacrificial spirit. See, church, I might not leave my family a whole lot. I'm going to leave them a prayer life that's going to rebuke the next generation's devourer. I'm going to leave them anointing of sowing and reaping because the tells me how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. I'm going to leave them a sacrificial spirit that at any given moment the spirit of God says for me to give, I sow. I'm going to leave them an anointing that says, you know what, we're not the smartest in the group. We're not the most gifted in the group, but we are as willing vessels, rags yeah. in the hand of God to so clean up messes. I'm not leaving my babies much, but I'm going to leave them one thing that's pretty powerful, an anointing. That when hell comes knocking on my grandson's front door, Jackson or Anderson's front door, he can say, My pappy, my pappy, rebuke that devil. My pappy, laid hands on me as a little boy. Somebody give my God a Shout! What you gotta understand is I'm reminded when we finally moved into our new house after months of working our whole moving our whole staff, our ministry, our offices, everything to Dallas. We're like, God, why did you tell us to do this? This is crazy after living in Birmingham 14 years. And I'm reminded of what Haggai said in chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. He made it, he's made a powerful statement. How is it that it's right time for you to live in your home, find new homes while the home God's temple is in is in ruins? You know that we moved into our new house before we moved furniture in. before we moved, this was just two months ago, before we moved anything. You know the first thing we took into our new house was an altar? I said, nothing's coming into this house till we put the altar. I wish somebody would get a hold of this because we're about to be done. But there's a moment where you got to realize God is saying, give me a house of prayer like he prophesied in Isaiah 56. In fact, Jesus said in in Matthew 21, he said, my house is to be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And there's a moment where you begin to rise up and you begin to say, I've had enough. I'm not taking this anymore. There's a moment where you begin to say, I'm taking back my family. There's a moment where you begin to say, I don't know what's in my home, but I got enough anointing that can tell hell to get the hell out of my house. There's a moment where you begin to rise up and walk the primitive yard, dad, and say, I'm taking back my family. Some of your children are under attack right now. They're being attacked by the lie of meth. They're being attacked by heroin. They're being attacked by... I'm reminded of a very dear friend of mine who pastors an amazing church of several thousand when his son died of a drug overdose and he showed up two days ago, four years ago, this week, showed up at the house after vacation, his son, who had gotten delivered, but then all of a sudden, in a moment of, of and see, I, my sister died of a drug overdose, so I get it. But my dear friend, Pastor Al Bryce, tells a story. He told me this last year, singing in his car. He said, when I went walking down the hall, and I could see that he was at home, we had they been on vacation, and I kept calling his name, and the Lord said, he's gone he walked in and found the needle in his arm. He said, as I turned to go back downstairs to bring his precious wife, their mom and dad, to us. To tell her that he was gone, their t- 24-year-old son. He said, as I went walking down the hall, he said, I heard the, I heard the devil say to me, you're a failure as a father. You passed through the big church. And, you're and he said, I stood at the edge of the stairs and I said, I want to make you pay for this devil. I'm not a failure, devil. You're a liar. See, there's a moment where you may say I may not have much, but I got some anointing that's gonna meet my grandchildren. Somebody ought to understand the power of sowing and reaping. Somebody ought to understand the power of laying up treasure in heaven son had spinal surgery after being a big high school and college football player and in a hospital in Baylor I got on my knees as he was in nine hour surgery with rods being put down his back I got on my knees and I said I'm making a withdrawal off my account in heaven I was screaming it in the middle of a chapel at Baylor hospital because I said I have laid up treasure in heaven and Paul told the Macedonia, out of your great poverty, you gave, and God's got an account for you in heaven. There's a moment where you begin to realize you can put a demand on the anointing, put a demand on the account, put a demand on what's been robbed right of you. There's a moment where you can walk to the front door and say, Not my house, devil, give my God a shout. Yeah.
2: time for some of you to get the vessels ready to get the vessels ready because the oil is beginning to flow see it goes on to say in 2nd Kings 4 3 it says Elisha said go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars watch what happens here as faith rises up see ask them for all their empty jars but don't just ask for a few go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons pour the oil into all the jars and as each is filled put it in To one side and she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring can you see this can you see what is happening here maybe you don't get excited about this because I get excited about when God tells me to do something and I actually see it start happening see I get excited when God tells me to do the impossible because I know I can't do it in my own strength when I need to do something and it depends on Him making it happen. But can you see it? She tells her boys to go run to every house in the city, in the neighborhood, and get empty vessels. Can you see them knocking on the door saying, My mama needs some empty jars? My mama needs some empty bowls. I need whatever you got. My mom needs some coke bottles. My mom needs this. My mom needs that. She see this mama was on a mission. Her mission was that I must fill up every vessel I can can until the creditor comes back. See, but then she shuts the door because I'm here to tell you, church, for some of you, it's time to shut the door on the devil. Yeah. It's time to shut the door on all the perversion that may have took place before, on all the junk that may have took place before. Shut the door and get the garbage out of your home. No more perversion, no more junk, no more lying, no more stealing, no more anything from the enemy. No more doubt, no more fear, no more all of the things, no more the accusations that have come against you, no more bitterness, no more unforgiveness, No more. no more pain, no more sorrow. It's time to shut the door on the enemy. And take a stand. See, Revelation 3 7 says, There are words, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So here she is. She begins to pour the oil in one jar, but then another, and then another, and then another. And she just, wait a minute, I mean, the jar is just not emptying out. Can you see this? I'd be freaking out. You know, I would just be going crazy as you're beginning to pour the door. Wait a minute, it's still full. And she keeps pouring. What? I mean, it just keeps on coming out. And she, see, I'd be franchising this at Walmart. I don't know about you, but I'd be calling the Home Shopping Network. I'd be on Shark Tank. I'd be telling everybody about it. I'd be making something off of this. But here she is and the oil is just pouring and pouring and they kept bringing vessels one after the other and the oil just kept on flowing. See, oh, by the way, the word oil or the word jar, or by the way, the word jars or vessels literally means in the Hebrew, it's scoops, which means a chosen instrument, a common metaphor or just another word for human beings. Wow. So she just kept feeling The vessels with oil are you catching this see the oil just continued to flow it's what Pat did when he wrote those declarations over his family right at Christmas time you know what he was doing he was pouring the oil he was pouring the oil in vessels that were in his home The empty vessels that were there. See, if you bring the bodies in here, church, if you bring the bodies in this place, in this building, God will fill them to overflowing with his spirit. And just, it just, he's just looking for empty vessels. Just looking for someone that he can fill. See, this woman, the creditor was at her door and he was not. see we need some chosen instrument, instruments in this room to arise tonight see our nation is in great need of an awakening there have been mighty moves of God over the last 400 years on the soul of this great nation in this region there has been great awakenings. so one of the first great awakenings happened in this region where you're sitting where you're having service tonight God is looking to have another great awakening do you want to be found telling your children that you stood by while our nation was destroyed because you didn't want to pay the price that was being demanded of you? See, the anointing still breaks the yoke of bondage. Isaiah 10, 27 tells us that it's still available to us. Romans 8, says, Creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. But they'll never come forth when we feel that it's our duty to stop groaning and to start laughing. He's looking for empty vessels tonight.
0: Now watch what happens. So you got to live on the anointing. The Bible says, she said, "Son, bring me one more." He said, "Mama, there aren't any more." Hello, American church. And the oil stopped. We've gotten so good at having church without the lost. We wonder why we don't see outcomes. I've preached in some of the greatest revivals in history. ones that will go down in history books. I've been a part of them. But too often it was just about putting lipstick on the pig. It was just about making Christians look better. We forgot the laws. And the Bible says that he tells her, live on the that's he says. When all the jars are full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. And the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. It's time to live on the anointing. Look what it says in Psalms. You make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at your right hand. stopped. See the Lord come in and come and tell you oil that like. the oil will always stop when there's no availing, willing vessels to rise up. God told me to ask you who's at your front door? Because in Revelation 3 he said I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. He's actually not talking to the lost here. He's talking to the church. I lay out a seat in church. They don't need him anymore. He said, I've been locked out of my own house. And God sent Karen and I here. Psalm 23 says he prepares a table for me. He anoints my head with oil. Well, is that? Biblical to anoint with oil? James 5, call for the sick, lay hands on them. Acts chapter 8. Lay hands on them and they shall be empowered by the Spirit. Acts chapter 19. Paul laid hands on them at Ephesus 20 years after the day of Pentecost and they were all filled with the Spirit. Paul said, I wish I could lay hands on everybody. But here's what the Lord told me to come and tell you. See, we got a crazy dream. Said you're gonna take altars. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know how to, I'm not good with a saw, I'll lose an arm. (laughs) I'm a writer, writers and saws don't work. And I found some old preachers that would build them for me, they pray in tongues for hours. Then my team takes my writer and they anoint him with oil. For a week and then we burn the word souls in an altar God that's old school and he said son the church has learned to bypass the altar area to give steps to man's platform I'm not talking about a piece of wood I'm talking about a lifestyle said, but I'm about to raise up a bunch of nobodies, and it's going to lead a revolution around America,
1: and I'm going to pour my oil, my oil on them, and I'm going to begin to anoint them, and as I begin to anoint them, it's going to begin to mess them up.